Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. God bless you. Thank you so much for your worship today. Let's all stand for the reading of the Word of God. Our youth class can be dismissed at this time. We do love our young people. Give them a big hand clap of appreciation. Thank you guys for joining us today. I do want to say... um, Please keep our pastor and also some of the other families who are transitioning life in the sense of they have college-age students now. So Pastor and Sister Cox are in, uh, in Indianapolis today dropping off their son for Bible college. They've been there for a few days now. Uh, but also the Rangel family, the our family. Just keep your, hand, uh, keep your prayers for those families. Also continue to pray for the Zalki family with the loss of their, uh, their father, Sister Zalki's father there. Um, just keep your, keep your prayers for them. We know that the first week, it might, you know, you can, there's a lot of support there, but we believe in the power of prayer can sustain us longer than that. And so let's pray for our church family through all that. Turn with me into your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. It says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that it is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is risen, for thy sake we are, all ki- we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in, our, which, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I am taking the first portion of verse 38 as my scripture text today, for I am persuaded. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five again. Tell him it's good to see him in the house of God, and you may be seated. Amen. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Paul is here saying that he is persuaded. He's not worried about what other people are doing. He's not worried about what other people are, how they're presenting this. He is saying, I am persuaded. Mount Everest was first identified as the highest peak of a mountain in 1852, reaching about 29,000 feet at its summit. 
Compared to other mountains, Mount Everest is still the tallest mountain in the world. They are still claiming that, that they are still the tallest mountain in the world. In 1921, British climbers made the first attempt to climb to the summit of Mount Everest. Since they never made it back alive in 1921, it is still not known to this day whether they reached the peak of that or not. While at least over 35,000 people visit Mount Everest every single year to view the scenery and experience the climatic conditions around it, only about 5,200 and some have managed to successfully climb to the summit and made it, and made it back down. Due to the harsh weather conditions, altitude sickness, low oxygen levels, and fatigue, it takes about 10 weeks to climb Mount Everest. This is because of the frequent breaks that climbers take at each base to adapt to the high altitude before resuming climbing. And honestly, you get thinking about some of the feats that humanity has done, and there, that is a great symbol of endurance to make it to the summit of Mount Everest. Since it was named the world's highest mountain in 1856, thousands and thousands and thousands have tried to conquer the ice-clad slopes, and plenty have died before reaching its peak, never reaching the summit. This is a mission that requires sharp wits and good health, which makes the story of Eric Weinheimer even more inspiring. You see, Mount Everest has long been a, uh, a destination for people who are experts at rock climbing, experts at climbing and all that. And so here we find Eric. He wants to accomplish this task of reaching the summit of Mount Everest. Even though he understood that it was a graveyard for many climbers, it was a graveyard for some of the greatest and most skilled climbers in the world, he still wanted to conquer the ice-ridden slopes of Mount Everest. You realize quickly that when, you, when I talk about this, this man named Eric, he was blind. He, he went to accomplish uh, climbing Mount Everest completely blind. He lost his sight at the age of 13 years old. And it was in year 2001, he was preparing to make his perilous climb to the summit of Mount Everest. Even though he had a handicap that no other person had ever had before that when they're trying to climb to the top of Mount Everest. You realize it wasn't just physical obstacles that Eric and his team would face in their quest to summit Everest. They had difficulties finding Sherpa guides, people who would actually guide them to the peak um, because they were scared of having a man who had a handicap of blindness to try to reach to the peak. It got to the point where they found their Sherpa guides. They were getting ready to launch to the summit of Mount Everest. They begin climbing, and, and you've got to understand how treacherous this is for those who are in good shape, those who are, have been preparing for their whole life. But yet here, Eric is completely blind trying to climb to the summit of Mount Everest. He would go through the gaps and he would go through the crevices. His, his partners would go right before him and they would say, there's a slot coming up in two steps. You can, you can, you can take ten steps and you're safe. They did this for hours and days upon days. They, they gave every instruction to Eric to try to get him to the peak of Mount Everest. It was in that moment on May 25th, after many, many weeks of trying to climb Mount Everest, Eric and, his, and all of his people that went with, and they finally got to reach the summit of Mount Everest. May 25th, 2001. He was the first person and the only person known to mankind today to summit Mount Everest by himself as a blind man. Only a few years later, he realized that wasn't enough for him. And so he decided to climb the rest of the seven summits becoming one of only 150 people to have ever accomplished the seven summits. Yet another incredible feat in this, young, in this man's career. 
You realize to be blind and wanting to go to the top of Mount Everest, you would have to realize that you have to be convinced that you could actually do it. You have to be convinced and you have to understand that, you know what, I'm going to go to the summit no matter what. I'm going to have my friends with me. I'm going to have my guides with me, but I want to make it to the very top of the summit. We find the, in the book of Daniel chapter three, uh, chapter 3 where we find the story of the three Hebrew boys. To set this scene before we go into the story here, I want to pr provide some of the backstory to what's happening. In Daniel chapter 2, we find the circumstance of King Nebuchadnezzar was in. He received a dream, and in, in, in that dream, he was terrified. He sought all the sorcerers. He sought all the leaders around him to interpret that dream, and none of them could actually interpret the dream that he had. Daniel, hearing about this dream and this request from King Nebuchadnezzar, he realized that he could interpret this dream for the king, and so he told them exactly what that, what that dream meant. Thus, that started Daniel's role of serving the king in the, in, in the palace. In this dream, he received an image. Uh, king, Nebuchadnezzar, king Nebuchadnezzar received this image of a golden statue in his dream, and he was trying to question what that actually meant. You go on through this story, and you realize that Daniel was absolutely, he was essential to the king because he would go to Daniel constantly saying, what does this mean? How does this work? And all that. He then gives a command to all the people all around him, the captains, the governors, the princes, and other leaders, that they were going to build a golden statue in his image. They were going to build an idol in his image that was incredibly tall and incredibly strong. And he informs all the leaders around the area saying, once this is built, I want you to come and come join us as we worship this idol. If you are not going to bow to this idol, he said, you will be thrown into a fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar was not messing around. He was very sure and he was very confident that no matter what was going to happen, that he was going to force all his people, all these leaders, all these people who were esteemed leaders, they were going to have them bow to his image, to his idol that he created. But of course, there's a story of the, th of the three Hebrew boys. Being just boys, they served God. They knew who God was. Their parents obviously raised them correctly. It was obvious because their response to the king when all of a sudden the orchestra started playing. Dozens and dozens of people start bowing before this, this idol, before this, this gold statue. you got to realize it, just to imagine this, as these three young Hebrew boys, they are probably in that, between 11 to 17 years old. They are surrounded by some of the greatest leaders, some of the greatest princes and, and governors and captains. And they were surrounded by people who were of royalty around that area. And so here the three Hebrew boys are beginning to stand in this midst. And all of a sudden the orchestra starts, uh, starts playing and everyone starts bowing and worshiping, worshiping this idol. You find in this story that the three Hebrew boys clearly did not bow to that. They said, I'm not going to bow no matter what you say. I understand that what I was brought up, what I was taught as a young boy, as a young man, I understand that I'm not going to bow to another idol. I'm not going to bow to another thing other than God. No doubt these boys felt awkward. No doubt these boys felt the intimidation of all the people bowing around them. No doubt they were uncomfortable in that situation. It would have definitely been easier to acquiesce to the king's response is saying everyone bow they could have just bowed the one time and they just let it be but of course we find in daniel chapter 3 verses 12 through 17 it says there are certain jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of babylon shadrach meshach and abednego these men o king have not regarded thee they serve not thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up 
Then, then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. It is one thing as three Hebrew boys to be amidst a, a, a massive crowd of bowing down to these idols. Now all of a sudden the king is summoning to talk with him directly. You go on verse 14 where it says, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I, which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God? King Nebuchadnezzar saying, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God, my God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. You got to realize in this moment, these three Hebrew boys who were just, they were just young men and they were in a very uncomfortable situation. There is no doubt in my mind they had to have been intimidated in some matter while they're talking to the king. But their boldness never stopped based upon who they were around. Their belief in God never stopped based upon who was surrounding them. Their belief in God never stopped when, when all of a sudden they're saying, you have to bow, you have to do all these things. Their belief in God never wavered. Because they said, if it be so, if you are telling me, king, that I have to bow before this golden idol, if, if you're telling me I have to do it, I will put my trust in my God into my God, because he is able to deliver me from the burning, fiery furnace. Confronted by the king, in the presence of the king of Babylon, he's questioned, they're threatened, they're mocked, and of course their response in verse 18, which we have preached so many times, he says, but if not, meaning, if my God did not deliver me, if my God did not step in in, in the midnight hour, if my God did not do that, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And here's what I feel in my spirit today, that I am persuaded that living for God is still the right thing to do in 2021. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what your friend says. I believe the word of God is true. I believe that living as an apostolic Christian in 2021 21 is the right thing to do. I believe God will give you power. I believe God will give you strength. He will give you wisdom. And I am persuaded that no matter what's happening in this world, I will serve the Lord. No matter what's happening outside my workplace, no matter what's happening in my family, I am here today to, to, to declare today that I am persuaded. But if not, my God will help me. And I felt so, I feel the urgency in my spirit today to preach this topic. Because I do believe we are heading for treacherous days. I do believe we are heading for some very hard days as apostolics, as Christians in America. And the question's got to be, are we going to acquiesce to the culture around us? Do I just blend in and do what everyone else wants me to do? Do I just give in to the pressures of society? But I can tell you right now, if there's one thing that I can get across, across this message today, it's just simply this. I have this confidence that God has brought me to this day. He's not going to leave me tomorrow. 
If there's one thing I can really stress to the church body today, that we cannot be conformed to this world, but we got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It is by God and by his power alone that we can stand here to say that I am persuaded. I will not acquiesce to the culture around me. I will not do what society is trying to tell me to do. I will not bow down to the idols. I will not quit praying. I will not quit worshiping. I don't care what they say. I don't care what bands they try to put on the church body. But this church body's not going anywhere. I believe because I am persuaded. I am persuaded because God has been good to me. I am persuaded because he filled me with the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in that water right there. He saved my soul because he is God. And I am persuaded. I am glad that you may be persuaded. But your persuasion is not going to affect me whatsoever. Because I am persuaded. Because I know what God has done in my life. I know what God has brought me through. I know that when he saved my soul and I went down on that water, a sinful man, and he raised me up as a new creature, I know that it was my God that did that. I do firmly believe that we are heading for treacherous times in America. I do believe that religious freedoms will be under attack even more so in the time to come. I am fully persuaded that it's not going to get easier. I am fully persuaded that we are going to be facing government orders. We're going to be facing these things. And I'm not talking just politics here. I am talking about the Antichrist who understands his time is coming to an end. I am talking about an Antichrist where it says in the Bible that he is seeking whom he may devour. I believe we are in that time, church family. I do believe, and again, I'm not trying to preach Republican, Democrat, all that. I'm preaching about God right now. Because we got to be apostolic today, even when it's uncomfortable. Now, this is probably dangerous grounds to go on. I'm I'm just going to go on. Pastor Cox is not here. He's probably going to watch the live stream later, though. but, But let me just say this. We answer to God. As Americans, we answer to God. As individuals, we answer to God. We have a shepherd. Our pastor covers us in prayer. I thank God for our shepherd. I am so grateful for our shepherd. But our shepherd can't always make us be persuaded. Our shepherd can preach wonderful message. He can do Bible studies. He can counsel. He can give you all the right answers. But he cannot by himself make you persuaded. Because you realize if you look across the entire world, the things that are happening happening in Australia, things that happen in Canada, with religious freedoms being taken out, mandated vaccines, and all these things that are taking place. I know I'm on dangerous grounds today. But I do not believe with a shadow of a doubt. This is, why, <laughs> this is dangerous. Should I, Brother TJ, should I just go for this? Send it. All right. Let me just say this. The enemy is trying to confuse us today. The enemy is trying to divide the church today. Whether you're vaccinated or you're not vaccinated, I don't care one bit. Whether you want to wear a mask or not wear a mask, it's it's your privilege, it's your freedom. But let me just say this. I will not bow down to this world, society, this order of whatever they're going to try to say, whatever they're going to try to push into the church. I will 
not be persuaded by that, but I am persuaded that God raised up from the dead three days later and he became the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And I'm here to preach to you today. I will not be divided from this church family because I love you as my brother and my sister. And I don't care what you do with your religious freedoms that way, but I am persuaded that I'm not moving. I'm unshakable. I'm unmovable because God has been good to me. And I feel a boldness rising up in my spirit today to preach this to you. You got to be persuaded. It's not going to get easier. It's not going to get better out there. You got to find a place with God and say, no matter what, I'm not leaving the church. No matter what, I'm not leaving the church. No matter what, I know the enemy is going to try to cause confusion. I know the enemy is going to try to cause things that are going to try to divide the church and say, Pastor didn't do this or they didn't say that. Listen. The enemy is going to try to do it, but God has not given us a mind of confusion. He has not given us a mind of doubt. He has not given us that whatsoever. He has given us the power of a sound mind. It is your mind that can be sound today because I am persuaded. I am persuaded, and I, have, I, I can promise you right now that there's so many things I want to say. I might just do it, but I am persuaded. It's not going to get better out there. The enemy's going to try to say, it's, it's okay to back off a little bit from going to church. The enemy's going to say, it's okay to just kind of slide away just a little bit. It's okay to fall into the temptation of, the, of what's being pushed from the world. It's okay to agree with the world and disagree with the church. And listen, you can disagree with the church all you want. That's your prerogative. But I will not, be, I will not disagree with the word of God. I will not disagree with the word of God. I still believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. I believe that's how God, God destinated marriage, by one man and one woman. I believe in the power of a family unit. I believe in the power of the head of a household being the husband. I believe that because the word of God says that. <laughs> There's going to be so much pressure coming our way, church. There's going to be so many things that's going to try to cause you to be divided. But I still believe this from the bottom of my soul. I still believe that there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I still believe the message that the, that the Apostle Peter preached in, in the book of Acts chapter 2. That he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the Holy Ghost. I still believe that the only way you're going to get to heaven is what the Word of God says. That you must be baptized in His name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't care what the world says. I don't care one bit what the happens. I don't care what adversity comes our way. But I still believe in holiness. I still believe in modesty. I still believe because the word of God is true. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. The Bible says this word's never going to pass away. I will get my life in the book because I am persuaded. And I feel the Lord trying to help me today to impart boldness upon this church congregation. We are going to face perilous times, as the scripture says. We are going to face times in the, where we're going to be doubted and confused. And there's things that are going to take place where we got to try to sacrifice some of our own things. But I am persuaded. 
I am persuaded. I am persuaded that being apostolic is still right. I believe and I am persuaded that receiving the Holy Ghost is still right. I believe and I am persuaded that holiness is still right. I believe in the forgiveness of God. I believe in the washing of sins. I believe in life change. You don't have to stay the same way you are, but I believe God can still change lives today. I believe God can still change lives in 2021. I believe God can break addiction still today. I believe God can set the captives free because I have seen what he has done in my life and I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Of course, the story of the three Hebrew boys, it continues, and the king offers them one more chance to bow down to the golden idol. The music, the orchestra starts playing, and of course, as the story goes, the boys never did bow down. The king was furious. He advised his soldiers to turn the furnace up seven times higher. And, of course, they did that. And in the, and, and, and the meantime of them doing that, they actually died because the fire was so hot. They throw the boys into the fire, and they were not burned. Not a single hair was singed whatsoever. And that was a miracle of God. The king made the statement that weren't there only three that we threw into the fire, but there's a fourth. That's a, the image of the Son of God. The three, Hebrew, the three Hebrew boys, their persuasion was their, their persuasion in believing that God was still right, that God was still protecting was what protected them in the fire. You realize if you go on through that story, their persuasion not only affected them because it protected them in the fiery furnace, but the, the scriptures literally say, once the king saw that, that there's three Hebrew boys were in the fire and they were not being burned alive, and there was a fourth that was the, the, the image of God. It literally says that they called them out of there. And the king then made a decree across the whole land that you are not to bow down to this idol any longer, but you are to serve the God of, 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 of these three Hebrew boys. Because they were persuaded that God was going to protect them. It changed the entire culture. And I want to just say this one thing real quick. The church should never try to look like the world. The church should never try to look like and act like the world. But rather we got to be set apart. We got to be holy. We got to be separate from this world. Because why would they want to come in if we're just like them? But I'm here to tell us today that we can be persuaded and we can change a society. We can change culture when we are persuaded that God is still God and he is still on the throne. But we have got to be persuaded. We have got to be persuaded. I feel an urgency in my spirit this morning that it's not time just to play church, but it's time to be the church. It's not time to play with our walk with God, but it's time that we get closer to God. I believe and I feel it in my spirit that it's not time that we walk away from this church, but rather it's time that we get here every single time the doors are open, every service, Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday. There cannot be too much church in our life today. It is not time to doubt God. It's our time to put our full confidence in him. It's not time to be persuaded by the world and the things of the world, but rather it's time to be persuaded by the word of God. Second Timothy chapter four, verse three through five. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. 
The reports that are coming from all over the world right now of government overreach, mandating vaccines, it's a personal choice, vaccine passports to get into restaurants and to get into different facilities. The problems that are taking place in Afghanistan right now, Christians being executed by the Taliban in, in Afghanistan right now, babies being thrown over the barbed wire fence to escape from the rule of, of the Taliban, gender confusion, political agendas being pushed, the list goes on and on and on. It could just keep on, I could keep on sharing all these things, but I want to quickly say that it's time for the church to stand and it's time for us to be persuaded. We're not moving. We're not, we're not changing what we believe based upon what they believe. We're not, we're not going to change how we act and how we dress and how we sound based upon what they're saying. The confusion that the enemy is trying to put on our teenagers and our, and our, and our children is astounding. Which is why as parents we ought to be careful what our children are listening to. We ought to be careful what apps are on our children and our teenagers' phones. We should know what they're doing at all times. The, the, the agenda of this world is trying to give them an, an, an uh, independence from parents and saying they can do whatever they want to do. I don't have children that are at the age where they even have a cell phone, and I thank God for that right now. But I can assure you of this. When my children get to the point where I buy them a cell phone, they will not have unlimited access to everything, to the Internet and all that stuff, because I know what the enemy is trying to do to our children. I understand I'm a young man with his young children. But I have been a part of, uh, of many things. I have been a youth pastor, being a youth minister for 10 plus years. What the, what's happening behind closed doors and maybe your own home would astound you. It would astound you. And I'm telling you right now, if, you're, if you have a teenager who has a cell phone or a device that gets internet access, you ought to have everything blocked you possibly can. I know this is not popular teaching right now. I know it's not popular, but I'm telling you right now, you may say that my, my little boy, my little daughter, they're just perfect saints. They're not. I'm not trying to be hard. I promise you. I have been in too, many, in, in, in too many conversations with teenagers who are addicted to pornography because they have unlimited access to their phone at late at night. I have had too many conversations with people who have access to things they should never have access to, music videos they should never listen to. I'm here to tell you as parents, it is not going to get easier to parent as we get closer to the end times. But the enemy is going to try to be working through TikTok and Snapchat and all those other apps. They're going to be trying to take your children because they know if they can get them confused about who they are. And I can tell you right now as a parent, you ought to be praying over your children and say, you are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are made out of royalty. You don't have to bow to these things. You don't got to be addicted to these things because I care about you. That's not even in my notes, and that's free today for you. But I'm here to tell you that we got to be careful what we're taking in as adults. we got to be careful what we have access to as adults. It's easy to preach about teenagers and children. But when we get talking about adults, we got to be careful what we're allowing into our minds. Some of us are depressed because we're allowing things into our mind that's not of God. Some of us are dealing with anxiety because we're hearing all these reports and all these things from all across the world. We're saying, God, what's happening? But instead, we're, we should find ourselves in the word of God where it says the peace of God passes all understanding. This is not even in my notes today, but I feel so strongly led to talk about this for a moment. We got to be careful what our intake is. I know we're all grown adults. We all have our own, uh, our own opinions and our own thought processes. But sin is still sin. 
Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. It doesn't matter what, what kind of technology you have in your pocket, but I promise you right now, the enemy is trying to confuse us. He's trying to separate us. He's trying to divide us. But it's time for us to stand. It's time for us to care about what our people are, what our children are watching. It's time that we care about family prayer time around a dinner table. It's time that we care about family devotions in the morning. It's time that we care about personal devotion. It's time that we care about getting ourselves right before God. It's time that we care about that because I promise you right now, no man knows the hour, no, no man knows the day that which, which God is coming back, but it is coming soon. Such were like the days of Noah, the Bible says. They're, they're running rampant across our world. If you look at America where we feel like we have all the religious freedoms possible, we do. I thank God for that. But if you don't think there's going to be an attack, attack on the church, you're wrong. If you don't think there's going to be an attack upon your personal uh, religious freedoms, you're wrong. And you've got to be persuaded. There's got to be a boldness that walks out of this church that says, I am fully persuaded. I am completely fully persuaded that God is not going to leave me or forsake me. I believe that no matter what is happening in my life, I believe that God can keep me. The Bible says, I'm going to skip around TJ, brother, uh, Romans chapter 8, 38 through 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor power nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. The enemy can share so many things. The devil can say so many things. Your friends can say so many things, but there is really nothing. If the scripture says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, that's a true statement. There is nothing that's going to separate me from the church. There is nothing that's going to separate me from the truth, from the word of God, from praying and fasting. There is nothing that can separate me but myself. You can separate yourself from the love of God. You can do that yourself. You can walk away from truth. You can walk away from the things of, uh, of God. You can walk away from all those things. It's a personal choice. But I'm telling you right now, this is not the time to do it. There's never been a time to do it, but this is for sure. It's not the time to do it. The Bible says in Mark 8, 36, For what shall profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There is nothing, there is nothing, there's not a career, there's not a job opportunity, there's not a thing that's worth losing your soul. And I'm here to tell us today that God's love is here for you today because he loves you completely and holy his, his love is not based upon just whatever but it is God who loves and it is God who cares about you and there is nothing that is worth losing your soul in this world for there is not a family member there is not a job opportunity there is nothing that should separate me from the love of God because I am persuaded I am persuaded my neighbor I don't care what you believe but I'm here to tell you right now that I believe in the word of God I believe the word of God is true and forever settled in heaven. I just feel a boldness need to be rising up out of our, as Christians. I just feel a boldness has got to take place in our life. Because I, I'm here to tell you, the signs are here. The signs of what the Bible talks about the end times, they are happening before our eyes. We find the, the part of Apostle Paul's journey in Acts 21, and I'm going to be wrapping up shortly. He is nearing the end of his service, and at this point of his ministry, he has traveled through the Gentile nations to preach the gospel. He has seen a great harvest of souls throughout his travels. 
He has been in trials throughout all the times he was going through different missionary journeys. But the Lord delivered him through every one of those trials. But now we are nearing the end of his traveling journeys. And nothing remains but days of suffering and days of darkness for the Apostle Paul. But Paul states that the will of the Lord must be done in his life. And that was definitely his motto's life, or his life's motto once he was converted to Christianity. Not my will, but God's will be done. In Acts 21, we have Paul's voyage from Ephesus to Caesarea, the next seaport to Jerusalem. We find in Acts 21 that his friends and his ministry partners are opposing his going to Jerusalem. Paul journeying from Caesarea to Jerusalem and being persecuted in Jerusalem. We find all that in the book of Acts 21. He was then apprehended by the Jews as a criminal and then narrowly escapes for his life. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about. This is towards the end of his life, his ministry life. But the part I really want to focus on in this story in Acts 21 is verses 10 through 14. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him unto the hands of the Gentiles. And when he had heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, What mean you to weep and to break my heart? Here the, uh, the apostle Paul is saying, you're, you're breaking my heart, my friend. I know what the will of God is for my life, and you're saying I should not go to Jerusalem, but I feel it is the will of God to go to Jerusalem. What mean you to weep and to break my heart, for I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 14, and when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. You see, Paul was persuaded that he was to go to Jerusalem. His friends opposed him. His ministry partners were opposing the idea of going to Jerusalem. But Paul knew what the will of the Lord was. It was to go to Jerusalem. And it says, and when he would not be persuaded, the will of the Lord be done. Folks, we cannot be persuaded by those closest to us. If you know the will of God in your life, you cannot be persuaded by those close to you. If you know the will of God for your life that you should stay or you should go do this or whatever it might be, you cannot be convinced. You cannot be persuaded by those who love you. They love and care about you, sure, but they may not know the will of God for you. No matter who is opposing God's will, it is not of God. And I'm here to preach today that it's okay to be in disunity with the family, so to speak, when it comes to the will of God or man. Because we do not answer to man, but we answer to God. And if it's the will of God for you to go to Jerusalem, you go to Jerusalem. If it's the will of God for you to stay and do ministry, it is the will of God. And no man, no woman can I hear I have I feel it so strong in my spirit today. Paul was persuaded that nothing was gonna separate him. Paul was persuaded that no friend was gonna stop the will of God in his life. Paul could not be persuaded by things that were not of God. He had heard from the Lord. He was determined, even if it meant death. In the situation the will of the Lord must be done not my will but thy will be done not my will but thy will be done not my parents will 
Not my husband's wife, my husband's will, my wife's will, not my co-worker's will, but God's will be done. We cannot be persuaded, church family. And I feel like we need to just, just to determine in our hearts today, I am persuaded. The song's not going to persuade me. Listen, I've been in so many church services in my life. I have heard hundreds of preachers in my life. Been in some crazy powerful services in my life where God moved considerably. Those are absolutely God-shaping moments for you. But I am not persuaded that this is the truth based upon what's happening right here. I know it's the truth because the Word of God says it's the truth and it's taking place in our midst. Do you see the difference there? We can operate off of, off of emotionalism. We can off, operate off of these things where we feel like it's right. We feel all these things, but do you know it's right? We need to know what's right today. We have got to understand what's right, what, what the Word of God says. We have got to be studying the Word of God. We've got to be capturing the, the Word of God into our heart, into our mind, into our soul. We've got to be capturing these things. Because I can tell you right now, living for God is the best thing you can do with your life. Living for God wholly, completely to God is the best thing you can do with your life. And I know there are trials that are taking place in this church. I know this, it's not always just easy. I know it's not always fun and games and it's life. And I do feel this burden on my heart today. That when it gets tough, you got to be persuaded. When things aren't always going right, you got to be persuaded. When things are going right, you got to be persuaded. And I do feel a heaviness in my heart today that we have got to be putting God first in every aspect of our life. I know it may not always be easy, but it's the right thing to do. It's time to be persuaded. I am persuaded that putting our marriage in God's hand is the right thing and the best thing that we can do. I am persuaded that putting my, having my children grow up in church is the greatest thing for them. I am persuaded that putting my future in God's hand is the right thing to do. I am persuaded that God is still moving and God is still changing lives. That there's not a situation whatsoever that God can't change. I am persuaded that God is still a miracle worker. I am persuaded that God can still heal. I am persuaded that God can still save. But more than that, I am persuaded that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. I am persuaded that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. I am persuaded that Jesus is coming back for his church. I am persuaded he is looking for a perfect church. He is looking for a perfect person to join him in heaven. But you got to get to a point where you say, I am persuaded. Pastor Cox is persuaded. Brother Lear is persuaded. These men of God that have walked through this church for many years, persuaded. But it's not enough if they're persuaded. You got to find a time and find your face in an altar sometime and say, God, I know I've questioned this. God, I know I've had doubts about this. God, I know I've struggled with some thoughts like this, but I'm ready to be persuaded. Not by man, but by God. I'm here to tell you today, it's not always easy living for God, but it's the best thing you can do. 
He never promised no trials. He promised he'd be with you through the trials. He never promised just sunny days and all these great things. But he promised he'd walk with you through the storm. He promised you that. And he'll never leave you or forsake you. Let's all stand across this building this morning. We have got to get to a point where we say, I am persuaded. If it means letting go of some people in our life that oppose the will of God for your life, it's worth it. If it means putting restrictions on your phone, it's worth it. I am persuaded. If it means finding an accountability partner, that's all right. I am persuaded. The Apostle Paul, he ends it where he says, For I am persuaded. He lists all these different things, death and life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things that come. He lists all these things. It's to get our mind to understand that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. We understand that God's love is for us today. If you have sin in your life, he can forgive you of that sin. And it takes a moment of repentance from you. Where you say, God, I want to, I, I, I want to change my life and turn 180 degrees and go the opposite direction. God, I'm ready to repent of my sins. If you've never been water baptized in Jesus' name as the scriptures state, I would not leave this service without doing that today. It is a promise of God for you. If you have not received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, it's a promise for you today. I am persuaded that God is still doing that. He goes on to say that there's, for I am persuaded that no height, no depth, no any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm here to tell us today that God is coming back for his church. He is coming back for his people. There is coming an end to what we know as planet earth. We're going to get to a point where we are going to be raised like Christ and go to the heavens with him. But we got to find a place with God. We're going to say, God, I'm sorry for the way I'm living. God, I'm sorry for the sin that's being allowed in my life. God, I'm ready to change. The enemy is seeking whom he, whom he may devour at a great capacity today. He is causing so much confusion and so much doubt. If you are being confused by the enemy of your life, it's time to find the Word of God. The Word of God says it is forever settled in heaven. It's never leaving. The words of God are something that we can put our trust in because it's never changing. It's infallible. There's no errors in it. He is going to try to confuse us. The devil is going to try to confuse us. But be persuaded. The Bible is still right. Sin is still sin. Holiness is still biblical. Living a life that is separate is still right. But you have got to get to a point in your walk with God where you say, I am persuaded. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we love and thank you so much. God, I thank you so much for this word that you have given me, that you've imparted into my spirit through prayer. God, I pray right now, it was a feeble attempt to share with the people here today what you've been trying to speak to my spirit. But God, I pray that I spoke some words of encouragement. Some words, God, where you can change their life so they can understand they got to be persuaded to fight this fight. God, I pray you'll walk with us and go with us everywhere we go. And I pray you'll help our minds. To worship. 
I'm not ashamed to pray. I'm not ashamed to, to fast. I'm not ashamed to word, read the word of God. I'm not ashamed of these things because I know it's still right. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.